Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. I am busting some myths today. I am talking about whether or not babies and toddlers, but mostly babies, can digest starch. So this is a thing that I've actually heard a few times now. You know, the first time I heard it from, you know, somebody that messaged me online, I was like, that's a weird little myth that just kind of popped up. Like I've never heard of that before. And then I got another question about it. And then I got another question about it. And then I was like, okay, this needs a podcast episode. I don't know who and like why people are saying this. I actually ended up doing a little Googling and I did find all these like really dire warnings online, honestly, about like the dangers of giving your babies and kids under two starches. You know, they're saying things like, oh, it's going to rot in your baby's gut and that they're not going to or that they don't have the enzymes that they need to digest it. And there's warnings even given about like following quote unquote mainstream recommendations that tell you to give your baby starchy foods as one of their first meals and that it's going to cause food allergies and all these other problems. So Once again, I'm like, okay, my heart goes out to you parents because this is the kind of stuff that you're dealing with when you Google things online and, you know, in the baby feeding world, nobody wants to take any risks. So you see these things and you freak out, right? But my opinion, this is a little bit actually really dramatic. And it kind of makes you feel like if you've already given your baby like cereal or toast or even honest to God, sweet potatoes, because that's a starchy food, then you've already done something wrong. So I hate that. And I hate this kind of like false fear in especially the baby nutrition world. So let me just clear up this myth right here and right now. Now, before I do, I do want to ask a favor. I would love if you are tuning into this podcast and you like the topic, you like the style, you like the info that I give, would you please take just one quick second right now to show some love and leave a review for me? If you could literally, well, maybe it's not one second, it's 15 seconds. Just pause this real quick, scroll down in your podcast app. All you have to do is just hit five stars and then leave me a few words. Maybe just let me know how it helps you and then come back to me here and we can... We're going to continue this episode and I'm going to dive into why I think that this whole idea that babies can't digest starch is bull. Okay, let's start with the definition of what even is starch. So starch is a type of complex carbohydrate. So it's made from lots of little glucose molecules that are bonded together in chains and multiple chains. And it's basically an organism's way, like a plant or human's way of storing glucose, which is our main energy source, right? Our 
brains digest glucose directly. So we have to be able to break down starch into glucose in order to literally live and have energy. So starches are found not just in grains, like most people might think, but also in a lot of vegetables. So think of all the root vegetables out there, winter squashes, beans, even in some fruits like bananas, you're going to find starch. So right here and right now, I'm just like, okay, so you're telling me that we're not supposed to give our baby any of those foods? to start with, like, or for the first two years. That already sounds really fishy. Okay, let's continue. So the digestion of starch actually happens in the mouth, believe it or not. So there's this enzyme that's called salivary amylase, and that actually starts to break down those glucose molecules or the glucose chains, I should say, that form starch right away once, you know, some starch gets into your mouth or into your baby's mouth. And then what happens, so it's partially digested there, and then it makes its way down to the small intestine where pancreatic amylase, so it's a different type of amylase, is secreted by the pancreas, and then that breaks it down even further with the help of some other enzymes, of course, until it's only these glucose molecules that can be absorbed directly. Okay, so basically we're talking about this enzyme amylase. So to recap, there's two types. There's salivary amylase, that's in the mouth, and then there's pancreatic amylase, that's in the small intestine, okay? Now, let's put into context babies and their digestive processes. So when babies are on breast milk or formula only, right, the type of carbohydrate that they're digesting are all simple sugars. So typically it's lactose. And when they start solid foods, which many cultures around the world, by the way, do offer starchy solids as one of the first foods. So they're offering like cereal or porridge or rice or beans and rice or something like that, which are all starchy. They're having to adapt to starches for the first time, right? So That's one thing. But where the hangup is for most of these people that are questioning whether this is even good for babies or whether they can digest starch or not comes from the fact that babies don't actually have any pancreatic amylase in their small intestine or they have very, very, very little. Now, as the months go on and they approach six months of age, they do start to develop more and more of it. So by around four to six months of age, they do have some pancreatic amylase, but it's way less than the amount that's found in older kids and in adults. So by this logic, you're thinking, okay, well, that's exactly the answer you need right there. Obviously, if they don't have the pancreatic amylase, they can't digest the starch. This is all stupid. Why are we giving our baby starch? No, because if you think about it, how are all these babies around the world, right, given these first foods that are all starchy? So thinking about in Zimbabwe, even they're given giving uh, corn porridge at three months of age. In Brazil, they're giving rice at four months of age. There's millet flour given in Tanzania, you know, at around three months of age. Like there is, this has been happening for centuries and it's happening all over the world. So how did all these babies for generations never have an issue digesting these foods? So this is definitely something we've got to question. So let's go into the research more. So when we look at more research that was done, what was found was that there was actually, a, it's a small study, but it examined how much starch was found in your, the baby's poops, which indicated, of course, how much of it was digested. And they found that very little starch ended up in the baby's diapers. So when they were given about one tablespoon and, or I would say between one tablespoon and a half a cup of starch per day, 
they were able to digest more than 99% of it. So they gave larger doses, you know, they gave them to several one-month-olds, which I'm not saying is good to give to a one-month-old or something I would recommend, but even to a one-month-old who got like a full cup of rice starch, they were still able to absorb this with very, very, very little symptoms. I mean, for most of them, there was no issues at all. And then I think for one or two babies, they had some diarrhea. So it's Not to say that, again, you should be giving baby starch that early or any solid foods that early, which is probably why some or one of the babies did have a little bit of an issue, but it actually just shows that, you know what, even at that age with such, such little pancreatic amylase, obviously they're able to digest some, right? Or digest all of it. So that's one thing. But here is the actual convincing stuff that got me thinking, okay, this is definitely a myth. And finally, this makes sense. So let's go through the reasons as to why babies can actually digest starch. So first of all, babies, yes, they don't have a lot of pancreatic amylase, but they have tons of salivary amylase. So remember, that is the type of amylase that's found in the mouth that breaks down glucose chains as soon as starch enters the mouth. So they actually have so much, it reaches near adult levels by about six months of age. And what's cool about salivary amylase is that it survives really acidic conditions. So once it goes down to the stomach, right? So it's like chewing the food or food goes in and then salivary amylase is on it. It goes down into the stomach, you know, because the stomach is so acidic, it would destroy a lot of enzymes. It would destroy a lot of bacteria in there, but salivary amylase survives and it continues to do the work of breaking down those glucose chains in the stomach. So that is one thing we have to realize and consider is that Salivary amylase actually does so much of the work even without pancreatic amylase in babies. Now, the reason number two is that human breast milk actually contains a lot of amylase. So that is the coolest thing ever. So if you look at human breast milk, specifically colostrum, it's actually present in the highest amount very early on in colostrum, probably to make up for the fact that at this point, babies have very little of that salivary amylase and then obviously no pancreatic amylase. So, you know, nature finds a way kind of thing. And breast milk amylase continues to work in the small intestines in much of the same way that salivary amylase does. So it survives, again, those acidic conditions in the stomach, and it continues to work on breaking down the starch in the small intestine. And so what's so cool is that there's also these proteins in breast milk that protect breast milk amylase. And one study showed that only 100 milliliters of breast milk was required to digest 20 grams of starch in one hour. That's crazy. Like that's like two thirds a cup of cereal or so. So that, I mean, thinking about how much the breast milk amylase has ability to work, like that's incredible. So again, no need for pancreatic amylase at this time because it's doing all the work. Now, Reason number three is glucoamylase. So this is a whole new enzyme. I haven't brought this one up yet, but it's also found in the small intestine, which breaks down glucose molecules into starch as well. That is actually active, like extremely active in infants, and it's really present in high quantities for them as early as one month of age. So again, clearly there's other factors at work here that is digesting the starch. It's not operating the same way that it does for adults. Okay, so that's pretty much you know, what, I'm ga- what I've gathered from all the research. Now, the other thing that is really cool is that babies' bodies produce more amylase as carbs are introduced. So it seems that once they start to ingest more complex carbs and they start to ingest those starches, then your baby's body responds by secreting more amylase. It's honestly 
the same thing that happens with protein and, you know, the enzyme that digests protein, which is trypsin. So when you think about it, I mean, it makes so much sense. Obviously, the body will respond based on what we're giving it, right? It is reactive and it is built for this and it's smart. (laughs) So it's not like we're going to feed this baby starch and then our body's just going to be like, well, I have no evolutionary mechanism built in that's going to help me figure out what to do here. No, it starts to produce the enzymes required to actually digest it. So that is definitely enough evidence for me, but in case you still weren't convinced and you were still hung up on the fact that a lot of these like bloggers and whoever they are, are saying that starch kind of sits in the large intestine and rots because it's not digested in the small intestine. Well, here's the thing. It's not rotting. There is some truth to the fact that not all starch gets digested in the small intestine, that there'll be a portion that moves into the large intestine, which by the way, happens for adults as well. And if you look at why this happens, first of all, it's not rotting, it's fermenting in there. And that is just giving the good bacteria in our gut food. It's giving it something to feed off of, which promotes a healthy gut microbiome. So for babies, there's a significant amount of starch that does this in the large intestines, which is actually for an obvious reason. It's beneficial for those bacteria to improve a baby's ability to absorb nutrients and it's used as a source of energy when it's needed. So guess what? It's not rotting. It's actually doing good there. Our bodies are amazing. End point. (laughs) So that's my thought. And here's the other thing, because I've also heard, well, just because, you know, babies can digest starches, just because they can eat cereal, just because they can eat, you know, rice or sweet potato or whatever, it doesn't mean we should be giving it to them, right? So why don't you just wait, wait a year, wait until they do have some more pancreatic amylase and then things will be better. Okay, here's why. You know, I mean, if you are new to this podcast, you'll be hearing this for the first time, but if you are not new, you know my stance on introducing a variety of food, as much different, as many different types of food, I should say, and as many different types of textures as possible when starting solids, especially before nine months of age, but specifically with uh, gluten and specifically with starch, there is an increased risk for developing celiac disease, type one diabetes, and an allergy to wheat. If those foods, if let's say starches and gluten isn't introduced to babies between about five and seven months of age. So there's this little window of opportunity there that probably if you think if you think about it it's because our body responds and actually produces the enzymes to digest those foods but if you're waiting too long it misses that opportunity to do that and then also if you introduce it too early it's also not going to have the ability to produce those enzymes and again the increase or the risk of developing those diseases goes up. So we have this period of time where it makes total sense. In fact, I would say you should be introducing starch to your baby at that time. And it's kind of the same thing with allergens as well. If, if you think about their newest research with allergens, we know now that we should be introducing allergenic food early on, not too early, but right around that period of around five, six, seven months of age, whenever your baby starts solids and is showing developmental signs of readiness, allergens should be introduced because then our body's immune system can respond to the proteins and actually create antibodies to be able to handle it versus waiting too long and then not 
having that ability to do that anymore and increases the risk of developing an allergy. So again, if that's not enough reason, I don't know what is, but I'm going to give you one more just in case. If you do eliminate starches, let's really think about this, okay? Because remembering that starches is not just grains. It's also beans. It's also sweet potatoes. It's also bananas. It's also... Um, you know, corn, which I guess is technically a type of grain, but there are so many fruits and vegetables that will be cut out with this. And again, you wouldn't have any of the legumes. You would be cutting out such a big part of their nutrition source. And that to me is not cool either. I mean, we already know that babies need tons of nutrients. They need lots of iron. And if you don't have variety, if you don't have not just variety in nutrients, but also, like I said before, variety in flavors, variety in textures, variety in types of foods. Trust me, you're going to end up seeing a lot more problems later on down the road. And I'm talking as soon as like 10, 11, and 12 months of age can hit. And that is not something that I want for you. So let's trust our bodies. Let's trust evolution. Let's trust how we are made to be able to handle very efficiently the digestion of starches and let's give them that variety that they need. Now, if you are interested in learning what foods are best to give your baby, how to serve them, how to prevent picky eating, how to advance them onto finger foods in a way that is not stressful, not scary, not overwhelming, then my baby led feeding online course is for you. If you want to check that out, that is literally the step-by-step and the full picture that you need to feed your baby from 6 to 12 months in a way that is going to make you feel so, so confident and in a way that's going to prevent picky eating and really set those foundations that you need and your baby needs to become a healthy and happy eater. So check that out. The link is in the show notes if you're interested. And I really hope this episode helped clarify things for you. And I hope that you enjoyed it. And again, if you did, please leave me a review. That would mean the world. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.